Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. We have a great uh, show lined up for you guys tonight. Uh, but before we get into the topic, let's see who we got around the table. And to my left, Jamie and Elisa. And I'm Josh. So um, Jamie has a uh, special shout out tonight. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Sharcy and Clara and just wanted to say thank you, girls, for your support and for your encouragement. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've been big uh, supporters of the show uh, for quite a while now. Yes, they have. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, ladies. Yeah, this topic is very interesting. So it's mainly something Southwestern. So for those of us that live in like Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado area. Um, and it's something that I hadn't heard of until we investigated the Family Tree Restaurant in Santa Quinn, which is, which is interesting because that's not what you think about when you, when you go to the restaurant you're thinking ghosts and, and stuff like that. And for us, uh, supposedly there's a skinwalker that hangs out on the top floor. Yeah. I see. I, I don't recall hearing that, but <laughs> well, I remember, I remember hearing about that when we were eating in the restaurant one time. But and there are stories of people seeing them standing next to some others, other t- other people's tables and stuff like that. But I wonder what, what led them to believe it was a skinwalker, though. And not- I, well, I don't know because I mean Payson has Petit Neat, and Petit Neat is named after you know the Indian there, the chief Indian in there. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of Indian culture there. So there you go. Yeah. Makes sense. It does make sense. But yep. that's in Payson versus Santa Quinn, but they're close by. Yeah, they it, are. It, it's all like lake adjacent, really. Yeah. It's all part of the valley, as we call it here. So yeah, if you haven't guessed, we're going to talk about skinwalkers. And uh, uh, mainly it uh, has a, a Navajo in origin, um, but also the Utes um, mm-hmm. and uh, the hop. The Pueblo, the Apache, you know, it's it's all very similar to each other. Yeah. So a skinwalker um, is a type of a harmful witch who has the ability to turn and um, possess, um, turn into and possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. So this witch is called uh, Yinodloshi uh, by the Navajo, which translates into, with it, he goes on all fours. It is one of the several types of Navajo witches, and it's considered the most volatile and dangerous. Um, Those who practice the Navajo witchcraft seek to direct the spiritual forces that cause harm to misfortune to others. So this type of Navajo witchcraft is known as the witchery way which uses human corpses in various ways, such as tools from bones and concoctions that they use to cause harm or kill intended victims. And the Navajo are part of a larger cultural area that also include, you know, we're talking about the Pueblo and, you know, all the Utes and things like that. And the other groups that also have their own version of the Skinwalker, but each includes the malevolent witch capable of transforming themselves into an animal. So, Sometimes these witches evolve from living their lives as respected healers or spiritual guides who later choose 
to use our power for evil. And I mean, we've seen that everywhere in different cultures where (laughs) you want to let yourself be known, Um, where they use their power for good for a while. And then there's, they start craving the power for, they want more and tend to use it for evil. Right. Yeah. They kind of like go off the deep end a little bit. Mm hmm. Um, so they are these respected healers and, and spirit guides. And then most of the time it's, it, I mean, it can be male or female, but most of the time they find it as male. Um, and they walk freely among the tribe during the day and then secretly transform under the cover of night. So how do you become a skinwalker? This is how one way, I guess. Um, I'm sure there's lots of different stories and, and uh, different cultures and, and how they become a skinwalker. And I'm sure it's nothing friendly. I mean. Oh, no. Not an easy thing. No. So in order to become a skinwalker, he or she must be initiated by a secret society that requires the evilest of deeds, killing a close family member. And most often it's a sibling. So after this task has been completed, the individual then acquires supernatural powers which gives them the ability to shapeshift into animals. So most often they are seen in the form of like coyotes and wolves and foxes, cougars, dogs, bears, um, but can take shape of any animal that they kill. So they wear the skins of the animal that they transform into, hence called the name Skinwalker. Um, Sometimes though, they also wear animal skulls or antlers on top of their heads, which is supposed to give them more power. They choose what animal they want to turn into depending on the abilities needed for that particular task. So like speed or strength, endurance, stealth, claws, teeth, things like that. And then they can transform again if trying to escape from pursuers. So they say that skinwalkers also have other powers, um, which I didn't realize. I I didn't think about this, but they say that they can read other people's minds, control their thoughts, behavior, causing... Uh, disease and illness. They destroy property, which we've heard of. Um, death, which we've heard of. Um, but they say today, most of the tales and the sightings of these um, witches or skinwalkers don't include death or injury necessarily, but are more like trickster-like. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and that's really like, if you look at it, it's like, if anything wrong happens, like bad crops, blight, uh, some family getting, someone in the family gets sick, it seems like it was very much it's the skinwalker that did it. Mm-hmm. So it's very, um, very superstitious in that way in the culture. Yeah. Um, but that's very, I mean, that's very common amongst all all religions in itself, right? They all have, we all have um, something that says, "Hey, like this is the." Uh, the evil thing. This is causes all of the problems, and this is what always happens. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned like, you know, they had to kill a family member to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 a it's such a crazy thing. Like, hey, you want those all this power? Guess what? You got to kill your brother. And how scary? Because most of the time it's a sibling. Yeah. Like, there's no way I could do that. No. No. Absolutely Sorry, not. bros. Couldn't do it. <laughs> they're, they're probably like, whew, we're safe. Um, but if you think about biblically, that's that's a lot like Cain and Abel, too, though. Mm-hmm. 
So like there's like uh, cultural like similarities in that avenue. Yeah. Well, because he wanted the power, right? Right. And so, and that's the kind of the whole point of a skinwalker is to get this power so that they can do these evil deeds. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, no bueno for me. No, no bueno. Um, it's it's interesting too, though, because you said that they wear the skins of these these animals that they want to turn into. Mm-hmm. Where if you look if you look at a lot of the Native American tribes, a lot of them wear skins and pelts, you know, for warmth or for ceremonies and purposes, but. From what I have read, the Navajo don't tend to do that because of the negative connotation associated with wearing those to the skinwalkers. Hmm, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so it's like, yep, we're just going to kind of stay away from that. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it also makes sense to wear the skins to keep warm. And I mean, that's what you've got. You know, if you're, if you're living off the land, that's what you use. Yeah, I, I guess it's an advantage of living in like Arizona, New Mexico, where it's like it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> You're not going to wear, be wearing much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to stay. You got to stay cool as much as possible, um, for sure. It, it's interesting, like because we talk about shape shifting, right? Mm-hmm. And with shape shifters, especially like at least in our in our mind, like the first thing that I think of when you when I hear shape shifter, especially a wolf shape shifter, I'm thinking werewolf. Right. That's probably the first thing you go into, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, any uh skinwalkers, they weren't like boogeyman um and they aren't figures made up like in order to scare children. You know, a lot of like stories you hear are things used to scare children. Well, like, a lot of stories we've covered. Yeah. Yeah. Folklore, mm-hmm. in other words, right? Mm-hmm. Um so this is this is, you know, vastly different. So Unlike the story of werewolves and witches, they don't lose control and kill everything in their path or maliciously curse people for no reason. Yeah. Uh, like humans, they do kill. And like humans, they have motivations for those um, acts of aggression as well. Um, so power and revenge fuel their murderous intents. Uh, but such things cannot occupy the brain of a rational creature all the time. And skinwalkers do not make murder part of their daily routines. So, other than their origin story, legends of skinwalkers rarely include death or any kind of mauling. Mm-hmm. Instead, a lot of the stories that people are telling of their experiences, um, so some of the more common ones would include like skinwalkers in their animal form running alongside a vehicle and actually matching the speed of the vehicle even as the driver will accelerate. Which would be kind of frightening. That's very yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's stories of that too. Like, yeah, I'm driving 60 miles an hour down the road and here's this thing that comes running up alongside me and like, and it's knocks as tall on, as my car. And yeah, it knocks yeah. on the window and it's like, what up? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of like Twilight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so eventually it says that they get bored with this routine, then they simply just disappear into the surrounding wilderness. Um, in some respects, it seems rather playful, kind of like a dog would be, you know, that chases a car that will pass by on the street. Yeah. Um, so in other instances, people have reported seeing, um, and hearing skinwalkers outside their homes kind of at night. Uh, rarely, however, will the skinwalker enter the dwelling. I can't imagine if you hear something rustling outside your window or your front door and it's dark out. I mean, that'd be scary. Yeah. 
be terrifying. Well, yeah. I mean, in other folklore that we've covered, it's been like where they will hear sounds of cries outside to try to get them to lure them out, or um, they will you'll hear some type of chant or you know something that just will either scare the junk out of them, right, right, or lure them out to get them outside. Mm-hmm. Because I wonder if it's the type that you know, like. Home is like a sacred place for your family to sure. to be, right? So it's it's not something that it can enter unless invited. So it's like so, a vampire, right? So I right. wonder if it's something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but uh, so but you know, there's been many reports by both native and non-native people. So and there's stories out there from you know, for instance, there was officers in New Mexico of skinwalkers being seen by the state police on a stretch of roadway that was on Navajo territory. So. I'm just hanging out there and like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> but it just goes to show you that it's not just native people that see it. It's, it's right. been just non-native people, just all walks of life. Yeah. You know, people and, and, and stuff have seen this. Although what's really interesting, though, is if you look at the reports, most of the reports are actually from Native from native people. There's very – seems to be very few non-Native individuals who actually report seeing a skinwalker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I know had, had I seen something like that, I think I would probably question my own sanity. Right. You know, especially you see it and then it's gone mm-hmm. and then you're like – Oh, that was weird. That was weird. You're freaking out. And then you're like, wait a minute. Did I really just see that? Or am I just mistaking it for... Because it's so not a normal thing to see. Right. (laughs) That, yeah, Yeah. you would. So, I mean, I think if I were in that particular position, I may not say anything either. (laughs) Right. So, here's some... uh, Getting into, like, the accounts of, of what people see or they've talked about. There's one Navajo writer that says... They curse people and cause great suffering and death. At night, their eyes glow red like hot coals. It is said that if you see the face of a Nagoloshi, uh, they have to kill you. If you see one and know who it is, they will die. If you see them and don't know, who, don't know them, they have to kill you to keep you from finding out who they are. They use a mixture that some call corpse powder, which they blow in your face. Your tongue turns black and you go into convulsions and eventually die. Duh. They are known to use evil spirits in their ceremonies. The Dean, or Dine, have learned ways to protect themselves against this evil, and one has to always be on guard. Wow. Yeesh. That's a frightening thought. Right? Well, have you, like, I've also read in order to kill a skinwalker, you have to dip a bullet in white ash and then when you shoot them it has to hit their neck or their head or it doesn't work and what i read was that it was like if you try more often than not you're gonna fail yeah yeah because they're hard to catch first of all and then at that point if you fail you're pretty much screwed because they're gonna want revenge well now you ticked it off (laughs) right Right? yeah so if you're gonna do it you better do it right yeah and there's uh i've also heard that or uh, read that says that you can use knives or other weaponry like spears or bows mm-hmm. and arrows um, that are covered in white ash. And I that, wonder what the symbol symbolism is of the white ash or what the white ash is. I think it's I think purity? it's purity. 
Yeah, because I think in order to get white ash, you have to burn something that's pure. Mm. And you, now you're talking about the difference between good and evil, right? Right. It's kind of like the holy water um, against vampires mm-hmm. and, and the undead, right? Um, this one other student, um, uh, a Navajo student, for, and this was back in 1977. So this is before any of us were born. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Wait, in what year did you say? 77. 1977? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, if you see a skinwalker, just stand up to him. If you show him, if you show him you're, you're scared, man, he'll kill you. If you stand up to him and stare at him, he won't hurt you. So, is he just going to go away? So, or, as, right? as I'm staring at him, is it okay to wet myself as long as I don't break that eye contact? It might, well, probably, right? Okay. But it's hey, fun- this is good to know because <laughs> you never know. You just right. never do know. But yeah. what's funny is this guy says, stare at him and he will let you go and he'll leave. This guy says, if you stare at him and make eye contact, uh, if you know he is, it will kill them. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, he's going to have to kill you. So he, you know, prevents from you gaining a knowledge of who he is. So in, in this case, it's like this contradiction. One, contradiction, right? Yeah. So should I look? Should I not look? Should be like those, like Harry Potter, how he's got his mirror. And he just like peeks around look the corner. Through, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look through the mirror <laughs> off a reflective surface. Don't look directly at. Right. Yeah. I mean, like with all legends, there's always going to be contradictions, right? With, oh, yeah. With all of it. With 100%. Well, and you've got all the different uh, types of Amer- or Indians, right? Mm-hmm. So Different beliefs. Different beliefs are going to come up with different yeah. groups. Absolutely. But the one thing that I think has been – is pretty common, though, is that they're pretty much impervious to any type of weapon that's not covered in white ash. So it's like you shoot it six or seven times and it doesn't die you're like well that's not gonna work very well and you throw stories on that throw your weapon at it and run (laughs) right so that's gonna make a lot of sense for a story i'm gonna tell later um so with skinwalker ranch we all know about that and that it's you know in utah it's and there's a lot of different ideas about skinwalker ranch right so we're not going to dive into like the ufo side of it or um really the the folklore that goes along with skinwalker ranch with that but we are going to talk about the actual type of skinwalkers and all of that there at the ranch um which is really kind of how it got its name right because yes most people now associate Skinwalker Ranch with UFOs and mm-hmm. not Skinwalkers. And not Skinwalkers, exactly. So um, let me just kind of take you to the beginning in back in 1789. So before the Ute moved to the reservation, um, they were a fierce people, right? Um, they lived mainly in Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. And at one time, the U and the Navajo would fight together ag- against common enemies. Or later, when the U first acquired horses from the Spanish, they began to abduct Navajo people and would sell them to New Mexico slave markets. So later during the Civil War, some Ute bands joined with Kit Carson in a military campaign against the Navajo. And this ended in the Navajo being expelled from their lands and forced to march um, to reservation in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, 
called um, The Long Walk of the Navajo, which is terrible in and of itself. But that it also had a different name, too. What? It was also called the Navajo Witch Purge. Oh, yes. Yes, I did read that, too. <clears throat> and so through the, though the tribe was allowed to return to their homelands um, in the Four Corners area several years, years later, the Ute believed that the Navajo put a curse on the Ute tribe for the previous transgressions that they did. So um, afterward, the skinwalkers began to plague the Ute people. So the Ute believe that the skinwalker presence in the Uinta Basin extends back at least 15 generations. And they don't believe that the skinwalkers live on the ranch, but they hide out in a place called the Dark Canyon, which is nearby, which I didn't know that either. Um, but one account described them as looking like humans with dog heads. Another described them as large, black, hairy humanoid figures, which were very fast. Uh, they described them having um, the coal red eyes, just like what you had talked about. And others say that they have seen and taken pictures of very, like really big tracks uh, on the ground. And so it said that skinwalker tracks are, so say they turn into a coyote, that their coyote print as a skinwalker is going to be much larger than an actual coyote. Right. Yeah. They say that um, even the most experienced skinwalker can't reproduce the 100%. An 100% the animal. It's going right. to be deformed in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, is very common for beliefs with demon entities. Right. right? Yes. They're never fully human. Right. There's always something that's distorted or, or missing. missing. Yes, exactly. So for 15 generations, indigenous tribes, including the Utes, have referred to the sandstone, sandstone ridge as being in the path of the skinwalker. So fast forward a couple hundred years. So the Myers vacated the ranch in 18 or in 18 in 1987, and it was empty for seven years before they brought or before Terry and Gwen Sherman bought it in 1994. So the couple moved in with their two kids and livestock, and they were surprised to find that the previous owners had placed deadbolt locks on all the doors, including the windows and including those inside the house. So can you imagine like moving into this place and you're like, why in the heck would they have deadbolts, deadbolts everywhere? Yeah, it would give you kind of an uneasy feeling, wouldn't it? A huge uneasy feeling. Yeah. Well, especially if you take an abandoned farm. Or abandoned ranch. Like, mm -hmm. like, what were they doing in here? What went on Or what here? were they trying to keep out, right? Exactly. But, yeah, or in. <laughs> yeah, some had deadbolts on both the inside and the outside of the house, oh, right? Oh, scary. So even the kitchen cabinets had bolts on them. And, and at both ends of the house, there were iron stakes and heavy chains that had been installed. And they, they're guessing that it was for their guard dogs to mm. keep them chained and close to the house. And to protect it. So, From what? Whatever they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean if, you, if you think about it, right? It's like, this is not normal practice for that time, for that time period. You're right. But obviously there was something that, that they felt a need to do these things, take these measures. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So the very day that they took possession, the family sparted a, Sparted. I am doing so good with my <laughs> words today. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, the family spotted a large coyote or a wolf 
in one of their pastures, which soon approached, making its way to the livestock pen. It then grabbed a calf by its nose, trying to drag it through the corral bars. So Terry Sherman and his his father began to beat the animal and make it try to make it release the calf, but they weren't successful. And so when that failed, Sherman shot the animal with a 357 Magnum at point blank range. And I mean, that can do some damage. That's that oh, should yeah. a 357 should be a kill shot. Right? Yeah. Um but like you were talking about before, if it's not dipped in white ash, it's what is it going to do, right? So, but still the wolf held on to the calf. After another shot, it released the calf and just stood there calmly looking at the men. So after a few shots, the animal trotted off. Amazingly, there was no blood or sign of injury to the animal. And the men then followed the tracks of the animal for about a mile before it just suddenly ended, as if it had just simply vanished. So my guess is where it transformed back into human. Human and just disappeared. Disappeared. So, um, Or a bird and took off. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because th- supposedly it can turn into pretty much any animal, right? Yeah. So, but question though, they can turn into any animal, but they have to have the skin of the animal, right? In Well, in some of them, not all cases that they've said that they have to have the skin to transform. So, yeah. So my question is, if they do have to have the skin, do they just have like skins lying around in random places and they like run to that spot (laughs) and transform and grab the other skin, throw it on and transform again? Or they get up in the morning, go to their closet. Hey, I feel like being a bear. (laughs) Pull out the bear skin, take it off the hanger. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. I mean, but we're also assuming that they have to have a whole skin, right? What if they just need a patch of the skin? So like they have this little, you know, cloak made of like 60 different animals. And it's like, I'm going to turn from from bear to a jackrabbit to a coyote. And like, just like a skin catalog. Yeah, exactly. Skin. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, That's like, gross. <laughs> That's so gross. You know, like you go to the, 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 the store to get paint and you got like those color swatches. Yeah. To get skin squatches. Sw- swatches. <laughs> squatches. <laughs> swatches. We're doing so great with our words. It's so good. This is going to be a great episode, guys. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So a few weeks later, when Gwen uh, Sherman was in her car, she encountered a wolf that was so large. Like, this is like the story that you were just saying. Um, It was so large, its back was parallel with the top of her window. The large wolf was accompanied by a dog-like animal that she couldn't identify. So over the next two years, the Shermans, as well as their neighbors, reported seeing a number of strange animals in the area. And... This included exotic multicolored birds that weren't native to the area and tall dark beasts. So on occasion, the Shermans saw this hyena-looking like creature attacking one of their horses, which was described that was low to the ground, heavy with muscle and weighing about 200 pounds, with curly red hair and a bushy tail. So as Mr. Sherman approached the animal, it vanished before his eyes. Afterward, they checked the horse and found these claw marks on his legs. And a few months later, a neighbor reported seeing a similar beast running across their property. So, I mean, there's so many different types of stories. Like it can vanish or it runs away without Mm -hmm. any evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just lots of different stories and uh um that there's no one rhyme or reason to it right just a lot of variations Mm -hmm. yeah so robert bigelow he bought the property in 96 
and started a program, and he called it NIDS, uh, to study the paranormal events going on on the property. He was really, really into that. Um, He hired this guy named John Alexander, and he said, something else is in control here. And if it, and if it wants you to find out, it may allow it. But if it doesn't, it keeps things morphing and change. It keeps morphing and changing into different things, um, different shapes and forms. He said, we've had cameras there and things happen just off camera or sometimes right in front of the camera, but you wouldn't see them. So before he left the property, um, Terry, Terry Sherman reported seeing um, a wolf three times bigger than normal at one point. Um, shot again at close range, no avail. So after uh, Bigelow bought the property under um, his this group that he made, the National Institute for Discovery Science, the NIDS, um, he said things got stranger. So um, in March 12th and 97, they saw a huge, big humanoid figure perched in a tree. And um, it was observing them, like the research team, just watching them. So the large creature that lay motionless, almost casually in the tree, the only indication that the beast's presence was there penetrating yellow lights or yellow lights of unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. Um, He fired at the figure before it vanished, but not before it noticed how he looked. And the shape had sharp claws and resembled a predatory bird and said that it looked heavy. And the description he later reported seeing, uh, reported sightings similar um, to the Navajo legend. So just random animals. There's, there's not just one particular animal that they can go into. There's lots of different ones, but it's just crazy. Um, then later, Brandon Fugel bought it in 2016, and he was like, I didn't find anything unusual about the property other than uh, on the first tour, he noticed something unusual on the fence line of the perimeter. Now, if I would have seen this, this would have been creepy for me if it's just this first tour. There were body parts hanging on the fence of animal bladders that were blessed and hung there to keep the demonic entities on the property. Yeah. Oh. So it was so to keep, w- to keep them on there, so it wouldn't leave it to go right. to other people's houses. Yeah. Usually, you put things to protect to keep things off out. Not of in your property, not, but this, not in. Yeah. This case, it was like we're gonna put everything back in your property. Good so, luck. Like, it makes me wonder if other people did it, right? Like, if people in the neighborhood or people in surrounding areas were like, mm, we're just going to do this just to keep us safe. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. That seems very native in its in itself. So like. Right. Well, there's a lot of, you know, Native Americans out there. Yeah. So I would imagine that it was probably some of them that, that did it just to keep, because they, obviously they know that something's going on there. Contain it to that one property so it can't kind of go yeah. anywhere it pleases and terrorize all yeah. sorts of people. Yeah. So. And this is where it, you know how they say they disappear? Um, Like we've heard, we've read a couple of stories where they just disappear and there's no trace of them. Um, So one of the employees of Fugel, he said, I thought it was all just a bunch of crap, like a legend. Then one night he was in his room in the ranch house and he was lying down to get sleep. And then all of a sudden, bam, something slams into his bed. 
he's like, it's like when your kids jump into bed with you or someone with a big just need the bed really hard. He's like, I sat up, turned on the lights, but then nothing was there. And then Ben Hansen, I don't know if you guys know him. I'm sure you've heard of him. If you're from Utah, you probably have and you're in the paranormal. Um, he, he had a show called Factor Fake. Yep, he was on yeah. Factor Fake. And he's been like a guest on a lot of other paranormal shows. Um, but he was staying at a neighboring home of the ranch. So not in the ranch, but just out of the ranch. Um, and he put a thermal camera outside and it was connected to his iPad. And they were looking at it and this white light just appeared on the screen. And this is kind of the UFO-ish part, but this is as far as we're going to take it. Um, so he saw this bright light just come onto the screen that was just over that ridge. And so Ben ran outside and he couldn't see anything, but his family could see it on that thermal camera. And it was only showing up as a heat signature. So he stayed out there for a while, for a couple of hours, apparently, just trying to see if he could catch anything and just couldn't. Um, but he went back into his room and he was sharing a room with a friend. And his friend sat up. His friend had been sleeping for about 45 minutes. His friend sat up, looked Ben in the eyes, growled at him and said, get out. What are you doing? And then laid back down. And his friend doesn't remember anything of this. So it's just kind of a, like a paranormal story to Skinwalker Ranch. Not necessarily a Skinwalker or something, but just paranormal. So I needed to add that in there. Still creepy as all get That out. is creepy. I wonder if he's still friends with him. <laughs> I'm sure he is, but I don't know if he wants to share a room with him anymore. <laughs> right? Remember that time you woke up in the middle of the night and said, get out. Yeah, nope. That is frightening. That is frightening. Oh, so um, I was talking with my brother-in-law, and he actually went to Skinwalker Ranch. Um, well, outside, just outside of Skinwalker I was going to say, Ranch. how in the heck did he get there, in there? There is a trail apparently, on the side of it that you can just get just on the edge of it. So I told him, I was like, okay, I know you had a crazy experience there, so just tell me about it. So he wrote me this story, and it's pretty darn good. Okay, um, so this is what he wrote. I was living in North Carolina, visiting Utah. My brother and I drove out to Skinwalker Ranch. My brother had already done a lot of planning on how we could see most of the ranch without going through the front gate by studying maps and Google Earth photographs. We got to the ranch about half an hour before the sun went down. We drove to the front gate just for the sights of it all and to say that we saw it and then drove around some dirt roads around around the ranch. And his brother knew of a dirt road that was on the other side of the mesa. He drove off the dirt road in his car and they parked as the sun went down. He said, we were directly behind the Mesa, but as soon as we got out of the car, all of the excitement for finally being there left me, and it was replaced with an overwhelming fear. Not just a regular fear, I mean the impending doom type of fear, that we really have no business being there and that we need to leave. My brother, on the other hand, seemed almost a little too eager to climb down the valley to the bottom, which would directly put us on the back of the Mesa that sits against Skinwalker Ranch. Technically, we weren't on the property, but we were butted up against it as anyone 
But as anyone that has done any research on Skinwalker Ranch can tell you that the activities that take place on Skinwalker Ranch don't just contain to the boundaries of the ranch. I've been a surveyor for over two decades, and I've surveyed and been out in the woods and swamps in mountain ranges and all over America, and I've heard about every sound wildlife can make. My brother and I have been have done more than our fair share of camping as well, and there were noises from animals that neither of us could really identify. It sounded like birds and swamp animals if you were on another planet is the best way that I could describe it, but we never saw anything. As we climbed down the cliff on one side of the small valley, an uneasy feeling kept getting worse and worse. My brother was acting almost like he was in a trance. He was still talking, but he was just so drawn to wanting to just keep going. Eventually, we came across one of the saddest things I've ever seen. It was a pile of dead puppies that looked like they were maybe three months old, and each had a collar, a blue collar on them. There was no gunshot wounds or anything like that. They were just there dead. So I don't know how they died, but it was just a heartbreaking sight. Shortly after that, we decided it was time to leave. So we climbed out of the valley, which sat behind the mesa, and we got into my brother's car. I was so relieved we were leaving when we were leaving, but when we started the car and tried to drive away, the car got stuck in the sand. I wanted to get out of there so bad that I just looked at him and said, well, I tell you to hit the g- when I tell you to hit the gas, hit the gas. He didn't say a word to me, but he was looking dead ahead. I immediately got out of the car and found two large sticks and began digging the tires with digging out the tires with them as fast as I could. I then put these sticks along with some others that I found behind the back tires and got into the front of the car and yelled for my brother to hit the gas in reverse as I pushed. The car rolled out and from the sand from there from where we were stuck and I jumped into the car looking at my brother and very happily we were headed for the dirt road again and I remember saying to him wow that was a close one I'm glad we're getting out of here my brother didn't say a word to me eventually we made it back to a paved road only after we were on the paved road did he finally speak to me he let out a sigh and said Brian I don't know how to tell you um how I found the courage to get out of the car because I was frozen with fear and I couldn't move He said, my brother is one of the bravest people I've ever met, and I was shocked to hear this. I didn't want to jinx us or anything. I just wanted us to get the heck out of there. We both acknowledged that it didn't, or it did feel like we were driving away, that there were figures of darkness looking at us. It's not something you could see more than something you could feel. But what he did say was it was easily the most terrifying part of the night. When you got out of the car, um, to get the car unstuck, something spoke to me, but wasn't something I heard with my ears. It was something I heard in my head. It was a very deep voice. But as I was looking at you, the voice says to me, leave him. And it was to me, and it was to me more than once. And it scared the crap out of me. So for the first 30 minutes of the trip, we were both constantly looking in the back seat because we both kept having the feeling that someone was sitting back there. Just a weird feeling overall. If that's how you, I can describe my appearance my experience at Skinwalker Ranch, it's not as much as what you see or hear, but a feeling of the place after dark. It's one of the most unsettling feelings I've ever felt in my life. Just being there, I didn't see any UFO or Skinwalker or Sasquatch. That Just that feeling at night in the desert was enough to scare you. Wow. 
That's something. Overwhelm, yeah. like that overwhelming sense and feeling like I'm being watched and of dread, mm-hmm. just pure fear. Mm-hmm. And there are creatures that are out there. That, yeah. And I mean, in my opinion, like there, I'm sure there's a lot of people doing some pretty crappy stuff out there, right? I don't like, doubt it. Hence why I think those puppies were dead out there in a pile. And so when you're going to be doing stuff like that, there's going to be things there that are not happy. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be bad entities. There's going to be negative um, spiritual things going on there. And, you know, if these skinwalker things are real, you know, like, why wouldn't they want to hang out in a place like that? Yeah. I mean, that would be like, welcome home, you right. know? Exactly. So... Yeah, you kind of hang around the dark energy, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if it's going to be dark and nasty out, like, this is where I want to be. Oh, that would just be creepy. Yeah. I don't know if I could even, you know, a lot of people say, I want to go to Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know that even if we were granted permission, which you know that's never going to happen, but not with the film crews. Anymore. No, Mm-mm. but even if you were granted permission, I don't know that I could do it. Just the hearing the stories and, and, and those types of things. I don't having those in the back of my mind. I don't know that I could actually bring myself to go. I will say this. I could tell you right now. I would go. I would go. However, <laughs> the however, only- that what? doesn't mean when I get there that I could get out of the vehicle. <laughs> Oh, I would be totally fine. The thing is for me is like all from the show, how the guy had that crazy head wound and like that big bulge in his head, you know, things like that and all the radiation that they get there. That's what I would be concerned about. Yeah. I really wouldn't be concerned about. Well, his skin and muscles start separating from his skull. Isn't that what it was? Yeah. And then the other guy, like they get radiation, um, poisoning if you will mm-hmm. and his he has to get surgery on his finger because he, he started getting like a bone spur or something that was growing or something i don't know anyways it was just like it's those things that i would be more concerned about <laughs> than actual I, I would be concerned about it all <laughs> <laughs> well i'd be concerned i mean from this from the f- fact of like the animal stuff right mm-hmm. it's just if you've got some weird stuff going on there with like a pile of dead puppies and they all have collars, which means that that means they were someone's pet. Yeah. You know, and that, so someone placed a pile of dead puppies there. So it's like, if they're willing to do that, what else are they willing to do? Cause like, if you go out to Skinwalker ranch and, and Skinwalker Ridge where the Mesa is at behind the ranch, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in no man's land. There's nothing out there. Yeah. And so if people want to be nefarious and, you know, kill people out there. Like, got no problems doing it. Oh, you yeah. You wouldn't, not like you're going to get caught. Like, there's nobody out there. Like, you could, sh- I'm sure you could shoot off several rounds before anyone realized anything was going on. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, that is scary. That's a scary, scary thought. Well, what's interesting is, so you were talking about how they can take different forms, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a man, he was making repairs on his old, his old, his old ranch home. He began to hear loud laughter coming from his nearby sheep pens. And he was thinking he was thinking he was alone. He went to investigate and found all the sheep but one huddled in the corner of the pen. So they're all off in one corner and there's a sheep sitting by itself, right? 
However, the, uh, the lone ram was separated from the group and was standing upright and laughing in a very human manner. What? <laughs> I'm At, out. <laughs> after the man looks, locks eyes with the ram, he sees that his eyes are not that of, a, of an animal, but very human-like. And then the animal casually walks away on all four legs. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. That would be terrifying. And I don't think I'd go back. <laughs> like, well, and the thing is like on Skinwalker Ranch, uh, there was an incident where they had um, the cows all started, started freaking out and started running. And then it left one cow off by itself. And then it just died. Like just a healthy cow. And then it just instantly died. Oh. And normally, uh, you know, when an animal dies, the other, you know, birds will come out and attack it or Scavengers. mice or, yeah. you know, yeah. coyotes or whatever. They'll come out and eat the animal. Yeah. it. They left it there. Mm-hmm. It stayed there. Nothing touched it. Nothing. No mouse, no, no bird, thing. nothing touched it for like an almost entire year. It just laid there slowly decomposing. Hmm. So, <laughs> and it went all by itself. So I don't know. It's it's kind of like when you give, like when your pet begs for food, yeah. you know, and you got fast food and you give them a little piece of what you're having and it's meat, and you're thinking they're going to eat it, but then they smell it, they look at you, and they just walk away. You're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be eating this either. Right. Because animals just know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember we were talking before, like, most of this, most of these happen to um, uh, Navajo families, native families, right? Yes. Um, so there's, uh, there's one Caucasian family uh, that had this happen to them, and... Um, it, it says they, they still speak in hushed tones about their encounter with a skinwalker, even though it happened in 1983 while driving home at night. One Caucasian family still speaks in hushed tones about his encounter with a skinwalker, even though it happened in 1983 while driving at night. Uh, Vietnam, this guy's name, uh, turned completely white. The blood drained from his face. The hair on his neck and arms stood straight up like a cat under duress. And noticeable goosebumps erupted from his skin. Although time seemed frozen during his bizarre interlude, the truck he was driving continued on its way, and the family uh, was soon miles down the highway. A few days later at their home in Flagstaff, the family awoke to sounds of loud drumming as they peered out their windows. They saw the dark forms of three men outside their fence. The shadowy beings tried to climb the fence to enter the yard, but seemed inexplicable inexplicably unable to cross onto the property. Frustrated by their failed entry, the men began to chant in the darkness as the terrified family huddled inside their home. Uh, The daughter, Frances, says she contacted a friend, a Navajo woman who is knowledgeable about witchcraft. The woman visited the home, inspected the grounds, and offered her opinion that the intruders had been skinwalkers who were drawn by the family's power and that they had intended to take the power by whatever means necessary. She surmised that the intrusion failed because something was protecting the family while admitting that it was all highly unusual since skinwalkers rarely bother non-Indians. 
the Navajo woman performed a blessing ceremony at the home. Whether the ceremony had any legitimacy or not, the family felt better for it and has had no similar experiences in the ensuing years. Huh. That would be creepy. Yeah. Creepy as crud. I mean, I've had experiences in the paranormal where I've heard like a, a creepy laugh and, you know, and when you hear something like that, you want to like get away as fast as you can. And when you're in your house and you're feeling like you're in your safe place, your safe space, and you're hearing that just outside your home, that would be terrifying. Yeah, it would be. And it sounds like yeah. the entire family saw them. Yeah, just, it just on wasn't the, one. Just on the edge, other edge of their property, and they're drumming and chanting, and it's like, "Yep, that's where you get your gun." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I just hear. Um, so okay so from clara she's part navajo and she submitted a little bit about her grandma and a little bit and a story that her grandma had shared with her uh, in relation to our topic she says so my grandma was a firm believer in the navajo teachings and just the way of you know the navajo way of life yep um, she says she was actually sold when she was a kid to a Mormon family in Pleasant Grove uh, when young Indian kids were being sold at young ages. Um, when she was an adult, she moved back to the reservation and lived on the reservation in Bluff, Utah. So they didn't have running water or power, and to this day, some still don't. Um, so that's just a little background on her grandma. And so she goes on to say... Um, Skinwalkers were a huge part of her grandmother's beliefs. She says, to us, it was ye nal, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get this, um, ye nal de lushi. It's not loshi, it's lushi. Yes. Right? I believe so. Okay. If I butchered it, I apologize. We were taught they were evil, kind of like witches. Um. So they were evil spirits or people who could possess or turn themselves into any animal. At any given time, they could char- uh, change. Regardless of the animal they were, you could always see their eyes. Not like a full-on eye, but imagine looking at an animal in, a dark, in the dark with headlights shining on them. It's like a shiny glare. So kind of like when you see deer out in the field, I'm assuming, is what that's going to be like. Um... Sometimes their eyes would even be colors, more so green and red. She says, my grandma also believed in the healing from the medicine man. So if we came across a skinwalker, we would have to see the medicine man because she also believed if you saw one, it could mean anything. Um, It could mean anything. But to her, it meant that one, uh, they were being sent by someone to bring bad or evil to them. Uh, They were sent to give a bad message. Or sent, um, or someone could send the skinwalker to scare the family, which all would make sense. Yeah. Right? That all totally makes sense. Yeah. So normally, if she believed anyone in the family saw one, we would go down to the reservation and see the medicine man, and he had some explanation as to why it came and what the meaning behind it was. My grandma would do anything it took to keep uh, the skinwalkers away, so we would always have big ceremonies to get our family cleansed and blessed in the good way. And that is exactly what they call it. 
She also believed coyotes had a huge connection to skinwalkers. She wouldn't call them a skinwalker, but she always said they were like most, that they were like almost the same thing. Pretty much just as, pretty much just a bad spirit or evil presence. But they didn't normally um, change unless it was a skinwalker. So animal change is how she worded it. Right. Um. If a coyote would cross in front of you while you were driving, you would have to pull over immediately and say a prayer, put some corn pollen down, and let some cars go by until you can start driving again. So kind of like a, maybe it's just to ward off yeah. the presence. It it sounds to me kind of like the whole black cat. Crossing your path. Yeah, mm-hmm, right. exactly. Okay. Um, and she took that as a sign to go see the medicine man as well. So I wonder how often these experiences happened. That's a very good question because it sounds like like how common a lot. Was this? I yeah. mean, to me, it seems like it's a lot, right? Um, but I think that goes back into the when you when you look back at what we talked about, right? We talked about them kind of you know being the har the harbingers of of bad news or, mm-hmm. or, or problems. Right. So if you got bad crops, you know, a bad message, you know, it, it didn't rain or, or drought or whatever, like, you know, all of that stuff was being linked back to the, to the skinwalker. So it, right. it was definitely like probably a lot more common piece, especially if you start bringing it into coyotes, you know, when, right. you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. So she shares a story here. Um, so she says, so when we were younger, my grandma would always take us to visit the reservation, but we would never spend the night. As I got older, I asked her why, and this is what she told me. She was in Bluff at one of her aunt's houses, no running water or electricity, so they had to use an outhouse, and they lived in a Hogan. Now, for those of you that don't know what a Hogan is, it's made of logs and mud, and it has a door that faces the east. Because in their culture, they believe that, you know, when they wake up in the morning, the first thing to greet them is the light. Okay. Okay. Which is pretty awesome. That's, yeah, I like that a lot. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So she says, I believe my grandma was in her mid-20s. So one night she had to go to the outhouse, and so she just went by herself. She didn't have a flashlight or anything, and she went to the outhouse, and she was getting ready to leave, and she could hear growling and something in the bushes nearby. She comes out to head back to the Hogan and real and just, you know, she freezes. She said she could see this giant looking dog creature staring right at her. And it looked very evil. Um, she was so scared that she screamed and the dog creature just kept like, kind of like, almost it seems like stalking her. Like pouncing or something. Right. Okay. Um and then turns around and runs to the Hogan. So I think she turns around and runs to the Hogan. Uh, at that point, the dogs, their you know, domesticated dogs, go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was unsure if they even saw what she was seeing, but they definitely were reacting to something. Uh, her family then comes out, you know, amongst all the noise. And she's still by the outhouse, just kind of standing there. She said she was so scared she just stood there. She didn't know what to do. She heard all kinds of stories but never really saw anything. So the next day they walk around the Hogan and there was huge, like really big dog prints going up and down the sides of the Hogan but never on the ground. 
So it wasn't around the Hogan. It, it was, was going on it. up and down the sides of it. It was on it, yeah. On it. Running, te- r- literally running around it. Yeah. While it was on it. But never on the ground. Weird. So it's like, you know, the question comes about how how did it get off or on there? And how did they not hear it? Exactly. Uh, so they had a huge ceremony. Uh, she says they had a huge ceremony for my grandma, but the medicine man told her it would affect her later on in life. Um, in ways such as her health. So that was her first time seeing a skinwalker. And then she says up until she passed, she wouldn't spend the night on the reservation just for any reason. The only way she would was for a ceremony. She believed when the ceremonies were going on there, there was too many good spirits around for any bad ones to try and come. Uh, She never let us go anywhere by ourselves at night. She would always try and leave when the sun was going down. And as far as it affecting her later in life, she had diabetes and her kidneys failed her. She ended up having an open heart surgery and lived a few years after. But if you asked her, she would suffer so much in her last years because she didn't follow through and do all of her ceremonies, not just for the skinwalker, uh, but for all the ceremonies the Navajo has believed in. So she says, my grandma lived very true to her Navajo beliefs. She would take us kids down to the river and hand us knives to go cut willows with her. She would take us every spring up there to the mountain to find aspen trees, make this paste-like stuff from the white off the bark, and tell us to put it on our faces. She said it helped with acne. She believed in every aspect of the Navajos, no matter what. Sometimes the beliefs were way too far-fetched for me, but she was a believer and she was very proud of her Navajo beliefs. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. That would be a scary encounter. Encounter for sure. Well, and then not only just the encounter, just, um, I mean, up and down the side of the Hogan, but nowhere around it. That's peculiar in itself. And the fact yep. that, you know, they didn't hear it. And then to be told, you know, by a medicine la- man that this is going to affect you. Down the road. Oh, in you your would life. think about that for the rest of your life. It's always going to be in the back of your mind. Oh, yeah. You and know? then you're going to wonder with every illness, with everything it? going on, is this because of that skinwalker? Because of that experience and yeah. that encounter. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Clara, for sharing that. For Absolutely. Sure. Thank you. We've covered quite a bit on on this topic. And we know there's lots more out there. There is. But... I want to get your guys' take on it. So is it myth? Is it legend? Is it real? My opinion? Yeah. Your honest opinion. Legend. Yeah. So what are they seeing then? I don't know. It's it's so hard because it's it's like uh, people who don't believe in the paranormal, right? Yeah. They've never experienced it before. They If they have, they excuse it for something else. And so unless you've like really experienced it, it's kind of hard to believe, you know? And so it's, for me, it's one of those things that it's not, it's, it is paranormal. It's, it's not a normal thing to have happen. Right. And I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. I've never talked to anybody who's, who's experienced a skinwalker before. So it's hard for me to wrap my brain around it. I, I would, I feel like it's like a legend. 
Okay. So I'm going to share a story that would be the closest thing, but it was no, in no way a skinwalker. Okay. <laughs> but it's the closest thing I've got. <laughs> um, so I used to work at a hotel in Spokane and I was driving home one winter night, you know, it gets dark out rather early Yep. and lived way out in the country. So it takes me about, you know, in the winter, depending on the weather, um, it could take almost an hour to get home. And I was about probably, I'd say, five or six miles from home. And I'm driving along and I'm going slow because it's night, you know, there's deer out and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just taking my time and I got the radio on and I see this big thing come out into the road and i'm thinking at first because i it's not really within my headlight range yet it's just like this big mass and i'm thinking it's got to be a deer i didn't catch any reflection you know of the eyes or anything at that point but as i got closer you know and i'm slowing down even more because i'm thinking something's in the road you know it's huge it's huge. So I drove a 1996 Nissan Sentra. It's a mid-sized car. You know, it's not a big car, but it's not a tiny car. No. And as I get closer, this thing is standing right in my lane, staring me down. And it's a wolf. Now, I've never seen a wolf out in the wild until that night. But this thing is pure black. And it's huge. Like, I'm sitting in my car. And this thing is at the head of my car, and I, I've come to a stop, and it can look right at me in oh, the eyes. freaky. That's like Cujo. <laughs> and that was frightening for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a skinwalker. I knew nothing of skinwalkers back then, so I wouldn't... Had I known of skinwalkers back then, I probably would have freaked out a little <laughs> bit more. Right. But it was kind of one of those exhilarating, but yet terrifying, because here I am all by myself. Yeah. You know, it's late. And those things are It's huge. dark. Yeah. yeah. So, but as far as what do I think about skinwalkers, I am, having never experienced, like Elisa said, um, having never had an experience or run in with anything of that, I don't know. I believe that there are so many things that we're completely unaware of. Yeah. So I I don't for me I'm open minded. Well, yeah, and I also think too is that you can create a a demon, if you will, not create a demon, but if 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 you breathe life into it, you mean? Yeah. So yeah. like if you create this character, mm-hmm. or if you create this idea, like um, like that, then. To me, an evil entity is going to be like, heck yeah, I'm in. Yeah. You know, you create something for me like that. I'll take that image. Yeah. yeah. I'll take advantage of this. I'll take advantage of this and I'm going to, I'm going to look like that and, yeah. and I'll do that, you yeah. know? And so like Slender Man. Yeah. I was going to say just like Slender Man. And yeah. so I, and I do believe that, that, that they believe it mm-hmm. like a hundred percent. I don't think that they're making it up. I don't think. That I I do think it's a big part of their culture, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't take that away from them. But never, uh-uh. I, I mean, if I am going to fully believe it, that's how I would believe it. That's how I could wrap my head around it being a real thing, right? Yeah, I was gonna. So my take on it is, 
kind of twofold in that avenue, right? I think a lot of it is myth and legend and lore, right? Um, that the whole creation of one, right? Mm-hmm. Like man being able to become a shapeshifter. I don't really believe that's possible. Right. Um, not to say that they don't and that, that it's not possible. I mean, you know, that, that part, you know, I don't think is, is that they believe that it's not possible. Yeah. They believe it's not, they believe it's possible. Right. I, I don't think that's the way that these come about. Right. I do believe that it's probably an evil entity or several evil entities that take upon this piece. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could just be that they are, instead of being type threes and demons, right? They could actually be human. They could really be a type two, right? Um, cause in order to become one, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do heinous, awful things. Right. And you have to basically live a life of, of evil. Yep. Um, because the medicine man in, in, in the culture is the, the divine good, right? And these witches are the divine evil in, in this avenue. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, you can have people, I mean, spirits can present themselves as what they want. Humans, mm-hmm. human spirits can do all sorts of funky things. They can make themselves bigger or smaller or pure as anything. And so, um, I think it's that in the avenue, either type two or three. Right. Um, now what people are seeing, they may not always be seeing spirits, right? But, there is the possibility that you see a big wolf, mm-hmm. you know, you're, I mean, if you're going out to the toilet in the middle of the night and you see a wolf, I mean, that's going to scare the Jesus out of you to begin with. Yeah. You know? Um, um, and, but you know, some of these stories, like I don't think wolves run 60 miles an hour. Like this lady's like it ran, I was driving down the reservation at 60 miles an hour. And this thing came up alongside me and ran with me. And then it ran in front of me and across the road. Yeah. Which means it's doing more than 60 miles an hour. Right. I think the fastest land animals are cheated and I think they top out at 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a lot faster than any, any of those things. Um, but yeah, I've never read, I mean, in all of our investigations, if I've never come across a skinwalker, at no. least that, at least that I'm aware of. We've just heard stories of them. Yeah. 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 But it's just kind of like in all things the paranormal. A lot of it's based on theory, right? We don't actually. Oh, percent. We don't know, hundred percent. Yeah. So how far can that reach? Well, and I think as generations goes on, I mean, it changes, and that's why I think during this generation, if it were to be something that kills and is really malevolent, I can't even say that word. Yeah, that's pretty close. Malevolent. <laughs> or evil. <laughs> bad. Okay, it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> um, we have so many things that could catch it nowadays or uh, bring it to life if it were a real thing that it, I don't think it would try to show its face as it, if it was real at this point. Um, because we just have, I mean, we have too many police forces and too many, uh, people that are scientific and want to understand what this is and would try to catch it and dissect it. And you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just, and too many ways that we could try to figure this out. 
Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that we have all this technology, right? Yeah. Because there's this Facebook post. Now, it's been going around for a lot of years. It first showed up in 2014. It made a reappearance in 2018. <laughs> and it's coming back around again. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a picture of this thing on the side of the road. Okay. Um, and the person that, the original person that posted it claimed it was taken near Lybrook in uh, counselor in New Mexico uh, near the reservation. The story claims that a geologist was working in the oil field in the area and saw something odd and decided to take a heat signature of it. And the next day, the geologist suddenly quit. Um, and of course, uh, with that little bit of information um, and this picture of this thing, <laughs> we'll post a picture. We will post a picture of it. Um, but I don't know. I I can't say that that's anything real. It's like an albino cross between a grasshopper and I don't know what else. (laughs) The way the back legs are. It's like, it's a cricket. Exactly. And I I think that that lends to this this part we're talking about technology, though, is that we have all this technology to capture things. We Mm -hmm. also have the technology to create crazy pictures on the internet. And I think that's exactly what this is. I don't think it's anything real. I think it's uh, someone's poor, really poor attempt at CGI. Um, and they got, you know, a viral post that now spins around the world um, and shows up every four years. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, that's why it's it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. Because if it was such a thing, why hasn't it? been caught on because it's smarter than people (laughs) you know or like camera or something you know just something but and and that's why i think it's more ghost or or yeah yeah it's more spirit than it is yes physical being right because i mean we've i mean that's the thing with the paranormal right like um, especially when you go out and doing paranormal investigations, you can catch things on camera that you can't see with the naked eye. Um, but I have also seen cases where you're looking at something, you take a picture of it and it's not there on your film. And you're mm-hmm. like, how is that possible? Well, and that's the thing is like, we've recorded EVPs or yeah. we've heard things with our ears, but it doesn't actually record on our recording. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's all paranormal. It's all something unexplained that you can't explain. So who knows? Who knows? So, um, but if you guys have any uh, awesome skinwalker stories uh, that you guys like to share, hey, um, you know, uh, post to us on uh, Facebook at... Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Either one. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at Cold Spot Paranormal Research or at Paranormal Peeps Podcast. Yeah, and you can uh, find us on Instagram at coldspot underscore paranormal underscore research. And you can find us on Twitter at CPR Paranormal. And like always, stay ghosty, my peeps. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. 
You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps Podcast and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research.